Welcome back to Growing Rural Ministries. I am Reverend Megan, and I am thrilled to be joined again by Pastor Tim Johnson of Frimmer's Chapel. In the last episode, we heard the story of how this small rural church committed to God's vision that they should remain intentionally small while working to multiply disciples worldwide. This church has planted four churches and have, has entered into eight ministry partnerships internationally over the course of about six years, uh, with much of that happening during 2020-2021 uh, COVID season. <laughs> so this is the kind of ministry most of us in the rural church don't even bother to dream about. We cannot even wrap our minds around how this could be possible in our congregations. So in this conversation, Pastor Tim is going to share with us more of the details of exactly how that happens in a small rural church. Pastor Tim? Megan, thank you. Man, this is uh, just so blessed and so honored to share. And um, obviously all the glory goes to God. But thank you so much, Megan, for your ministry. Um, I've, I've been in the ministry 24 years now, uh, 18, almost 18 years here. I'm a small church pastor. I love rural church. I love rural ministry. Uh, we've said it before. There's a, I'm sitting in my office. There's a creek right over there where we do our baptism. Uh, all the coyotes live over there. All the deer live over here. And uh, we got possum and rat coming back here behind us. So and just I, we love rural ministry. And and uh, I, I think you're right. We just I did not get into this thinking that we're going to uh, be planting churches across the world. There's no way. Um, I, I, just like most of us, I, I, I love preaching. I, I love teaching. Um, I love my people. Um, I love being a pastor, and that's it. And but one of the things when you become uh, really attuned to how the Holy Spirit would want to work, and one of the big keys of this, we're going to talk practical stuff here. We're going to talk about some mechanics that, that, that at least we've learned, and we've had to learn it, Megan. It's, this isn't it didn't come natural because we didn't know, but it's supernatural. We, that has to be the very foundation. This is the Spirit of God. This very Spirit of God leading in strategic partnerships and because uh, all of this really the, the the big key word is partnerships all of this started because we actually went into the community we sat at coffee shops we had conversation uh, conversations with other people uh with with leaders with with folk uh, who are not even in the church but we just had conversations and we we tried to listen with holy spirit ears and we tried to see with holy spirit eyes what these conversations, so the conversations would pop up um, about Columbia, uh, uh, and, and we would kind of have, have that sense of, well, I wonder if we're supposed to help with that, uh, or a conversation would, would, would come up in our partnership. We have a partnership, a deep partnership with something called New Life International. It's a water purification program here in Indiana, and, and, um, and so they started talking about, and they send water purifiers everywhere. Well, they started talking about Nepal. And so sure enough, long story short, we ended up sending a team um, right before the pandemic, right before the pandemic and during the pandemic, launching uh, a church uh, and, and supporting. And now we have a, uh, a one of the 20 year olds, uh, 21 years old, a 21 year old is now being supported. We have a, we have her now in India at a Bible college that we are, we're paying for her Bible college because that's how we felt like the Lord, that's where the Lord led us. So. A lot of this is organic, and one of the things, one of the invitations that I know I and we at, the, at this church offer, again, just always remembering, we're a small local country church, we're a country church by the creek, but there's a real supernatural God, right? There's a real Holy Spirit 
who works organically, who works supernaturally, and uh, not apart from natural, but in conjunction, in concert with the natural. And so just always paying attention to those conversations, always paying attention, listening again with Holy Spirit ears. And, and so, um, yes, uh, we, we were intentional about those partnerships. And the first few times we kind of failed in those, um, we, we just didn't think we had the resources. I mean, come on, small country church, we don't have the money, right? People hear four international church plants and we have um, in those church plants, we've had, we have dozens, if not hundreds of people in those churches. But you gotta know a church plant in Colombia operates at a much, 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 much lower overhead in the church in Indiana or Iowa or wherever we are. It, I mean, it just, there's no, it's, it's, there's no comparison. And so we started realizing, wait, compared to them, we have tons of resources. Sure. And so then we begin to make that investment. So then you have to really talk about, so you have to actually go through that process, praying with leaders of finance, um, ad board, uh, whatever structure, whatever the structure is of your local church, you have to begin to talk with leadership and say, okay, is this part of the vision? And, and that has to go in concert, right, with the overall vision of your church, the overall mission of the church. Ours is to make a kind of a general thing for the United Methodist Church, at least, is to make disciples of Jesus Christ um, uh, around the world. So, and that's kind of, Jesus said that first with the Great Commission. So we took that kind of serious and we thought, well, and again, there's, there were skeptics. I was one of them. I'm thinking, well, there's no way. I'm a, I'm a local preacher. I'm a local pastor. But the more we began to begin to just kind of put our feet in the water a little bit, the more we realized it was actually possible. So sending teams, um, getting people. And I will say this, um, before I forget, this may, may, may come back around. Secular businesses and secular institutions are wonderful at supporting some of these things because they really want to support some like social agent or social action type of work. Um, you, would, you don't have to call it mission work for Jesus, but you can simply say, you know, we're going to take a purifier to help provide clean water, safe water for a community in Nepal or in Tanzania, one of our partnerships that's beautifully forming. I, by this time next year, I guarantee you, Megan, we're going to have a church in Tanzania. I guarantee it. Um, it's incredible. Uh, and that just happened this past, this just happened last, uh, this uh, four months ago, three months ago. And then the crazy thing is this exploded during a pandemic. So there are certain things that shut down in right. the pandemic. There's like a spring out of the ground. This just blew open. We're like, what is going on? Because people would come to us. We have a church plant, one of our four church plants is in Alaska. That happened last year um, in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, we took over a church that was dead and broke and it wasn't open. And now we have 80 to 100 people in that church. And that's our church. We, we have a church. And you can basically, you can see Russia from the backyard, basically, almost from Alaska. So, I mean, it's just, it's and you can only get to that church by plane. Yep. So um, just incre incredible, crazy stories like that, that just, but there are practical things you have to do in the local church. You have to decide yes. what you're going to, how you're going to invest. And, and, and you have to do due diligence, a lot of research, a lot of praying. A lot of communication, a lot of conversation, um, but we, in in the course of the last, you know, we we started this about six years ago when we felt like the first opening was in Colombia. That was our first open door, and we we stayed in Colombia, Megan, for probably five years, and that was really only kind of our main, um, kind of our, our our main thrust of missions. 
that's where we did most of our mission work was in we'd send money we'd have mission moments here special offerings things like that but uh as that began to continue to grow and we did plant the church there in fact uh we uh we are working now actively on our third church plant so we have four to be clear we have four countries that we have church plants in in Colombia, we have three churches we have three church plants that we've worked with and working with and and so just because it just it keeps expanding and people need jesus and if there's a church that's willing to supply people or resources and zoom is an incredible technology i do a lot of preaching and teaching right like that and so i don't have to go everywhere now i do go a lot of places we travel a lot but that's i'm just blessed to be able to do that because i've got the, the, the infrastructure here at the church is set up where i can do that a lot more but this is where i do tons of teaching and preaching right here so all those obstacles that we think we can't do supernaturally we know god can do all things but even practically those things if you really start looking at them those things don't have to be hindrances and obstacles to the work of international missions they don't and um I'll say this one last thing and I'll pause for just a second, but I think this is critical for us. I think this might be critical. This is one of my main, kind of my main takeaways. We have gotten stronger nationally and locally because of international. Sure. Because of our international influence and our international outreach and our international experience and because of our international missions and because of our international outlook, we have become much, much, much deeper and stronger in the last year or two, even locally. And, and I think we have this idea that it's supposed to be opposite. We've got to get really strong locally. We've got to be a strong church locally, and then we can do missions. Yeah. I, my takeaway was it was opposite. The more we became involved globally around the, around the world, we came back, people who would go on mission trips, we've had mission trips as small as four, as, as big as 20 sure. in different countries. and. When they came back, they were ready to invest everything they had in the local community because they were on fire because they'd been, they'd spent two weeks with no water or two weeks with no shower or two weeks with no bed yeah. or two weeks eating food they didn't want to eat. And, and then they come back and now they're ready to go here. And so we saw that fire begin to generate this passion. So that's one of the most beautiful things we've seen is we've become locally stronger as a church because of our international connection. Oh. Awesome. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the nuts and bolts of how okay. that happens. Yeah, I just, I, I could, you know, I could, you know, thank you. I just yes. Crowd me in and just ask me what, ask me whatever you need. But so, um, so two things that I think we, uh, we kind of talked about briefly and, and uh, just kind of thank you for giving me that kind of, that kind of some talking points, because I think that really helps when you, uh, somebody like me that gets so excited about the big picture. Yeah. Because again, I think one of those, so the first thing is partnerships. I, I really want to kind of key on some phrases. One is partnerships. Um, I think another word I'd give you, and we talked a little bit about this just, just a few minutes ago, is intentionality within the local church. You have to be intentional with where, and again, it's not going to happen maybe all at once, but again, all of this because of the power of the Holy Spirit, but also practical. So allowing the Holy Spirit to, to open up those partnerships, pay attention. Um, if I can just give you a, 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 try, a 45 second story, I worked with a church yesterday. Uh, I asked them for their history and, and they're a 175 year old church. And I really believe tucked away in our history, 
there are some DNA nuggets. That's who we are. Okay. And so I was reading their history and I found out back just tucked away in 1865, I think it was, they had a, they, they started a foreign, uh, a foreign, uh, women's ministry society. I think it's foreign women's ministry society. I don't know what that was. So I circled it. I asked a 95 year old, her name was Miss Alice. She goes to this local church, Miss Alice, Megan, you and I want to be this woman at 95. She was yeah. the spryest in the whole room. And so we're on the zoom call. I say, so Miss Alice, what, tell me about this foreign women's mission society. She said this, Oh, years and years ago, honey, you know, call you honey. I said, years and years ago, honey. She said, uh, the church heard about a need of missionaries and missionary wives who missionaries were sent to India. And so this church volunteered to help host them. So they built a, a boarding house. This is 1865. They built a, a boarding house so that the women of the wife, at that point, at that time of culture, you know, it was hard for families to go and women to go into missions at times. So the women sometimes had to stay. And so the church said, we'll build a boarding house so that these women can stay here. And husbands and, and, and sons can go to India, right? Well, from that grew a partnership that they actually were helping it start churches in the in, in, in India and in the Philippines. So I asked the question of Ms. Alice, well, so, so it, does the church still have that? Oh, no, honey question is why not right why wouldn't you have that if that's part of your history why wouldn't you help india and philippines and so i know they were taking notes yesterday and i don't know what's going to happen but i do know that in that meeting with four of them they all in the leadership of the church they said we're going to be intentional now about trying to figure out how can we help india and the philippines so there's got to be an intentionality so the spirit can lead you but you have to make some real hard decisions about that. And so then um, once you've made decisions about intentionality, where are we going to put our mission focus? And, and, and I would just, again, my, I have said this phrase before to the church and all love and grace. If there's anything I could make mandatory in my church, anything, it would be an international mission trip. Just go one time somewhere. Be uncomfortable for 10 days to 14 days somewhere because it changes it changes you. You get to see things that you only read about. You only you get to smell, taste, and live it out. And when you come back, nine times out of eight, usually, you're changed. And and so go on an international mission trip, and, and and your church, any local church, any 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 local church, can put together a mission trip internationally. They can. There's tons and tons and tons of, of avenues out there. I'd be more than happy. I'll volunteer my services to even point someone in the right direction. Um, but I would say be intentional about that. Can you just go anywhere you can? And I would just pray about that as a leadership team. Where do you think God's calling us? Not if, where? And it could be a team of three or four, but those three or four come back and that thus begins the fire. You know, to build a fire, you need at least some wood. And so, but to have a big fire, you got to start that, that wood. So, right. so start there, and then you begin to pray into uh, what next. And that's the really important question: What's next? You can't just for me for what we've learned here at Firmish Chapel, Megan. You just can't go to a short-term mission trip and just kind of do your thing. It, it kind of even and there's books been written about this, and sure. that, that almost can cause more damage than help. Right? Because you're just going kind of to kind of fulfill whatever, maybe to do your good deed. No. This is to bring about not only uh, Jesus Christ to the culture, 
but it's to maybe change the culture. And it's also for the culture to help change you. And it's also this, again, the symbiotic partnership. What are you growing? How are you growing? And how are they growing? And so that becomes now more intentional. So then that's why, again, for us, 12 right now, we got 12 or 15 running at the same time. It's like, we're taking deep breaths. And we're just trying to figure this out. Yeah. But one of the ways is, um, is as, you, as you really pay attention, as you're trying to figure this out, um, to be intentional, there's got to be kind of an investment of training now. So now we've got to train people. So if we're going to start investing in this one place, now there's got to be a, a training process. Thus began what we call here and what we started called the Joshua Center. Not every church has to start a training center, but we did. Firmers Chapel, uh, under the direction of Jeannie Bagel, uh, started something called the Joshua Center, specifically training leaders led by the Holy Spirit to bring transformation to the world. So um, are there other places you could do that? There were, there could be. We just felt like that we were supposed to uh, offer that. And I will say again, not, not as a shameless plug, but there are, there's, there is a website that you can go to for our Joshua Center that we can help. We, we'd, be, we'd be delighted to help local churches figure out how to train people in this idea of missions and international church planting and international, what we call international partnerships. So there's, there's church plans and there's church partnerships. And yeah. for us, they're different. So training, we've got to start, you got to start training. You got to start. So we started learning about culture. You got to train culture. You got to train about what, what to do in culture, what not to do in culture, what to expect. Uh, it's one thing to go on a short-term mission trip and you can make all the, you know, you make all the uh, mistakes in the world. My very first time in a, in a Spanish speaking culture, even though I took four years of high school Spanish, which did me no good. Um, but I was in a shop crowded, really small. And I'm, I'm six foot one I'm in, 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 the, in the Latin American culture. I'm kind of a tall guy. Right. And so I'm bumping along and I think I know the word for excuse me, excuse me. So I say, disculpe, disculpe, disculpe. Well, any, anyone's listening, they know that the word disculpe is really close to excuse Excuse is, I think something like that is, excuse me. I was saying spit. <laughs> So I'm bumping into people saying, spit, spit. So those things can happen on a short-term mission trip. But if you're going to be in partnership, you got to learn better. So so we learn from our mistakes, uh, from my mistakes, that we have to train better. So the Joshua Center is, is actually, so now we're sending internships now. So we are offering internships through the Joshua Center. So now we have such deep partnerships with some of these people in Colombia, Israel, we have we have ministry partners in Israel, uh, Japan, uh, Russia, uh, Tanzania is, is happening um, uh, even as we speak in all these places that now we get to send people who feel like they have a calling on their life. So the preaching and the teaching. So now we're preaching and teaching about calling. We're teaching and preaching our Bible studies and, and we, we, we're offering people spiritual gifts inventories. And those kind of things where we kind of get people thinking about, okay, what's my purpose? What's my call? God has a call on our, all of our lives. Not every call is to go international. I right. would invite everybody to experience international if they can. But not everyone's called to live international, not at all. But some people are. But in order to learn that, we, through the Joshua Center, established internships. So now you get to spend a month, six weeks, or three months living under great training there in that country. We call it immersive. You are now immersed in that culture with a safety net. You have a safety net. You can come home anytime. We, you know, you're not, you know, you're not going to fail. Uh, we've had that. We had, we had someone in Israel 
for I think two weeks, and because of pand, and this was all during the pandemic. Well, the pandemic shut the shut everything down, so we had to bring her back home, and that's okay. And she's still home, but guess what? She's still ready to go somewhere. And so you're gonna fail. You're gonna you're gonna have bumps and bruises, but there's gotta be training. There's gotta be training. And and then the last piece I would say, uh, and I'm trying to make this as, as succinct as possible. But I think with under the training uh, or beyond even the training piece, we keep asking what's next. And the what's next question then for us after, in training is we, what are we strategically now going to do in those places as far as actual training there? So so there's one thing to train people here. But again, thanks be to God for Zoom and technology that we can actually train people there. The intentionality um, of of, of, of walking with people, talking with people, our church partners and church planters um, in time zones. For instance, uh, Sangha is our church planter in uh, in Nepal. Wonderful, incredible one. If I had the time, I'd tell you her story and everybody would be in tears. Um, incredible story. But Sangha, she's in Nepal. Right now, it's 11 and a half hours ahead of time. So oh, whatever yeah. time this is, at 11 and a half hours. And so we have to kind of, you know, you have to be intentional about mm-hmm how you're going to now train people who are there in the field. So it's one thing to train people going into the field and coming back. It's another thing to, to continue that that partnership on a regular basis weekly. I spend as much time weekly with my church planters and church partners on Zoom and on WhatsApp and on and all the different apps we have um, than I do as much as I do at preaching and teaching here locally. Um, and that's again intentionality, right? We have to, you just have right. to keep, is that is that where you're being led? Right now, that's where we're being led. Um, so those are the practical, some of the practical pieces that we've learned. Um, does that make sense? Is that is that helpful? Absolutely, that is all wonderful. Okay. I, I think you really hit on some key pieces that um, are missing in our rural church mindsets of. Um, that specifically, you, you said that it's not if God is calling you, but where, you know, I I think we just, we miss that because we're so focused on here and what's wrong here (laughs) that we're missing that call to go somewhere um, or to be sent somewhere. So that's, that's wonderful. And I think that um, you're, you are absolutely, you know, you've got things in, in order. (laughs) <laughs> of, of prayer and listening and that intentionality um, and starting with those those open door partnerships and, and just constantly asking what's next and investing in, in training. Uh, we don't do that in our rural churches. I mean, it's hard for me to, to have one leader, you know, sign up for one conference. <laughs> and so, yeah, that that's a mindset shift that we need to make, uh, as well. And I think, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Taking a mission trip somewhere together with our, our congregations, it does, it, it shifts your mindset and, uh, makes a huge difference. So it really does. And, and yeah, so those are, yeah, that's a great, uh, recap, uh, recapulation of, of all what I said. Um, I think, um, the only thing I would just kind of stress it even a little bit more that I just glanced over, I can't stress enough, Megan, um, again, local church pastor, I know all about budgets. I know all about weekly living day by day, week by week. I know about roofs. Uh, we, we just had a water leak 
just this past Sunday, um, uh, a precious eight-year-old stuck paper towels into the drain and left bolts in front during the service. So now we have carpet pulled up and drywall pulled up from the seat, pull, pulled off of the ceiling because a, per, a precocious, precious little eight-year-old <laughs> thought that that was really going to be fun. So I know all about added expenses. I know all yeah. about that. But if we allow that to stop us from doing the mission across the globe, right. then, then I think that's we. I think we have to own that we're a little short-sighted on that, Absolutely. and I say that with all love and grace because. Uh, we, 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 this was a church that was very, very short-sighted when I first yeah. got here, and it took time. But you do have to take that first step. That first piece of wood has to be thrown onto the fire to start a fire, and and that's what I would just really encourage. And it can be done. Any, it really can be done anywhere. I think we're just from example. I think is a perfect example. If God can do it here, He can do it anywhere. Yeah. And 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 I, I want to encourage people about secular. There there are secular places. There are corporations and and institutions and we have as many secular partnerships as we do christian partnerships sure and those secular partnerships are are sometimes more more willing to pour some money and resources into something than even the christian ones and 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 because they see this as kind of a good deed or they see it as social action sure and and they know they're pouring it into a church and we are willing to receive their money or their sure. investment to say, you know, hey, we're putting a purifier. Those purifiers cost a thousand dollars each. Would yeah. you like to sponsor a purifier? Yeah. And so many times, Megan, they say, sure. Yeah. So yeah. guess what? The church sure. isn't paying for a purifier. We're just sending a team over to install it. And by the way, while we're installing it, let's have a VBS. And by the way, let's since we're having a VBS, let's have a couple of church services. And while we're having a church service, let's pay attention to see if there's anybody there who could maybe preach on a regular basis. It's just this thinking. You're exactly right. Yeah. It is thinking that has to begin to kind of start changing. There has to be intentionality in that. But yeah. when you start thinking that way, I, I think you're going to see more opportunities than you ever thought there would be. That's what we're, that's what we're experiencing. Amen. Well, it has been inspiring to me to hear all of this and uh, learn from your experience and wisdom. And I hope that it has been inspiring to those who will watch the video or listen on the podcast as well. Thank you so much for sharing uh, with us. And um, I will share your website uh, on the post as well so that folks can um, head over to that Joshua Center and, and learn some more and get in touch with you. Uh, let me pray before we sign off. Amen. Thank you, Megan. So, God, I give you thanks uh, that you are beyond our limitations. Uh, all of our, our limitations uh, mean nothing to you, and I thank you for that. And, Lord, I thank you um, for churches like Firmers Chapel and pastors like Pastor Tim who have heard your call and have faithfully listen to your Holy Spirit. And I ask, Lord, that you would inspire all those who um, hear this story and um, and learn from, from this uh, video or podcast, Lord. I ask that your Holy Spirit would inspire them and, um, and their churches to, um, to go where you send them and to think uh, along the lines of your Holy Spirit and not... Um, not so much on their limitations. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Thank you, Megan. Thank you. Blessings. Blessings on you and your ministry. Thank you.